Awesome to hear stories like that about how God works in lives. Uh, Carolyn and I, when we went on our first mission trip, we um, the team leader was a man by the name of Dr. Charles Cheney. Uh, Dr. Cheney was the head of the theology school at the university we attended, and uh, he had been a pastor for many years. He went on in the Southern Baptist Convention to actually uh, be the president of the Sunday School Board, which produced the, um, the religious literature and the writings, uh, publishes a number of books. And he was the one that first really talked to me about preaching through a book of the Bible. And he was sharing how uh, God was laying it on his heart to go through the book of Acts with his church. And he said, I planned a quick 12-week study through Acts. And he said, well, I ended up preaching for 36 months. <laughs> he literally took three years to go through the book of Acts with his church, and it changed. It totally changed his church. Well, sometimes may feel like we're going through Acts a little uh, slowly, and sometimes I feel like we're blowing through it because there's so many topics and things that we'd like to share, and we know that we just don't have time to share all of them. Uh, I don't know if Pastor John struggles as much as I do with uh, sitting there during the week looking at that passage and saying, okay, out of these 50 topics that could be covered... Which one do I focus on? Uh, which, well, what is the message that God wants me to share with His church? And as we've been going through the book of Acts, this week, um, it's not just picking up where we left off. I really want to tie today's message together with Pastor John's message last week. Uh, when he was talking about the spread of the gospel. If you'll pop the map up, uh, Ishvan, just quickly, this is the map of, of the travels uh, that is listed out in Acts where they went. I'm one of those. I love maps. This helps me. It may not help you, but you can see where they're going. We're going to be up after Antioch and Iconium into Lystra, into that area where the gospel is spreading. But I want to get to the next picture because the picture that Pastor John shared last week about the spread of the gospel was about dandelions. <laughs> I loved it so much that I thought, I want to share that picture again because dandelions are not native to North America, but they are everywhere. As we were cleaning up the, this past week or last Sunday, and I said something about how I love that illustration, Amanda, she goes, you know, I think dandelions are even more prolific in North America than they are here. I, I don't know. But what an example of something that comes in and it just sweeps through the nation. And that's what we want to see with the gospel, where it comes and it just spreads through a whole region. And when it spreads through the region, it brings change. That was Pastor John's message. If you missed it, you were, you were asleep. The whole thing, you know, the, the gospel selfie, the change that comes in a person's life when they encounter the gospel. And that's what we really want to keep talking about is the change 
that happens while we're looking at the, the spread of the gospel and what the early church did to spread the gospel, we want to look at the reaction, what happened when the gospel arrived there. And so if you will turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 14, and we're going to just read the first seven verses. Now at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord who bore witness to the word of His grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands." But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When the attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe and the city of like cities of Lyconia and to the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. Heavenly Father, together we have read your word. We just see how this fits into the context of, of your working, how you were working in the first century and how you're working in the 21st century. As a church, we are seeking our place of service as we unite together through you. That Lord, you will show us the type of work we need to be doing, the place we need to be doing it, and that we, like the apostles, will continue to preach the gospel. It's in Jesus' name, amen. In this passage of Scripture, you see how the apostles were going from place to place. They're preaching the gospel. They get a church started, a group started, and they would move on. Now, they didn't just abandon them. If you read in other places of Acts, sometimes people from the team would stay behind to build them up, and we're not always told exactly how it happens. We see later that in these churches they've been starting, they're going to go back through and appoint elders and leaders in all of the churches, that, and that's coming up that they're going to take care of. What we do know and what is very clear is that they went from place to place and they are boldly proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it says they went into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. See, they started through the natural connections. They went to who they knew. You start with who you know. Okay, tying into last Sunday's message. What did Pastor John say? Where do you start proclaiming the gospel? Right where you are. You start where you are. These were all Jewish, what we would now say Jewish background believers, but they were, were what you might call Messianic Jews. They were Jewish people who believed that Jesus was the Messiah. And so they went to the Jewish people. They started with the natural connections and began to share the gospel. And they presented the message in a very meaningful way. Now, I love this phrase, and spoke 
in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. Now, in all honesty, we can never be good enough at presenting the gospel that it makes someone believe. It is always God's working in their heart. We don't save anybody. We share the good news, and God works in their hearts, and the results are really His. But how you present the message can make a big difference. And so they're coming in and they're talking and they're presenting it in a way that is meaningful to the audience, to those that are listening. And they're hearing the gospel message. They're hearing about Jesus Christ being the Messiah. They're in the synagogue. You've got those that are naturally Jews and you've got the God-fearing Gentiles. They're coming together. They're hearing the message and a great number of them believe. Now, we don't know how many a great number is in this passage. I don't think it was probably, you know, uh, 3,000 like happened on Pentecost, but Luke makes that, that point. It was a bunch of them. Man, dude, we, we went into the church. We're talking, and a whole bunch of them believed. You know, it, it was like really they see God working. God's working, and hearts are being changed. They're accepting the message. It has been presented to them in a way that's meaningful, and they make the decision to follow Jesus Christ as the Messiah. But, there's always a but, there were those that didn't want to believe, those that refused to believe. Those that didn't want to hear. We're not told why, but what we are told is that the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. Opposition came. And this isn't just opposition where it's like, no, I disagree with you. That's not right. This is right. This is um, man, do you see what those people over there are doing? Man, that is not right. That is totally wrong. They're poisoning. And it uses this translation, uses that term, poisoning the mind. And spiritually, it's, it's doing the same effect as a poison would to the physical body, killing it. It is killing them spiritually. And they're over here or maybe it's not this side, I don't know, we're right or left, one side is against the other. And they're poisoning the mind. They're actively fighting against the gospel. They're actively trying to draw people away from Jesus Christ. I want to go back to something Pastor John said last week. Is the gospel always creates a change. Anytime, it doesn't matter. When we present the gospel, there is going to be a reaction. There will be a reaction. And it may be drawing people toward God, or they may be fighting it, moving away from God, but there cannot remain unchanged. It's going to have an effect. 
And there's no two ways about it because it's a message from God. And people are either going to soften their hearts and it's going to have a softening effect or people are going to harden their hearts and it's going to have a hardening effect. One or the other. I used to get very frustrated because we, you know, we've been working in an area where you share the gospel and you talk to people about Jesus and they're like, uh-huh. You know, and it seemed like apathy. I thought that it seemed like no reaction. And then one day it dawned on me, oh, that's just driving them farther into the apathy. An apathetic reaction is still a reaction to the gospel, making them less sensitive to the drawing of the Holy Spirit. When you share the gospel of Jesus Christ, when you share the message of, of God People cannot remain unchanged. They're either going to take a step towards God or they're taking a step away from God, one or the other. They're either softening their hearts toward the Lord or they're hardening their hearts to the Lord, one or the other. And we don't know how people react. Our job is to keep sharing, keep proclaiming the gospel, you keep putting that message out there. And sometimes it's like, Paul, when you're, you think there is just no help for this guy, God changes his heart. And sometimes it's like Lydia where God just opened her heart to let the gospel in. You never know, and you never know when. So you just keep sharing. And then we come to this, this actually this Monday morning, when I was reading this passage, beginning to work on the message for today, I read, you know, verse 2, but the, the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers, so they remained for a long time. <laughs> wow, man, these people hate us. Let's stay here. I was laughing. I was talking to Carolyn. We're having breakfast out on our balcony, and I said that out loud, and Carolyn says, be careful, said, our neighbors are down there. They might hear you and be taken it all wrong. <laughs> you know? They hate us. Let's stay here. That's where I got the title for the message. So they stayed. See, they, they, they didn't run in the face of opposition. They stayed there and they just kept proclaiming. It wasn't time for them to move on. And it says they stayed for a long time. Now, we don't know how long is a long time. Just as we don't know that many, how many believed when many believed, we don't know how long. Some say the first journey, this trip took about a year. Some say a year and a half. I read one that said it may have been as much as three or four years. You know, we don't know exactly the time frame. They weren't using our calendar where we could say, hey, on June 12th, they left. And on, to, you know, uh, June 12th, the next year, they came home. We don't know how long, but what we do know is they stayed there and they kept building up that church and they kept sharing the gospel. And people kept fighting against it. Now, they're sharing the gospel. Oh, I almost, put, I almost left out some very important parts. Yikes. I'm sorry to go on to the next one without saying. As they're sharing the gospel, it says they were sharing, excuse me, speaking boldly for the Lord who bore witness to the word of his grace. 
God himself, the Lord, is bearing witness to his word. They're preaching the message, and God's confirming it. How's he confirming it? It says, he granted signs and wonders. I love that term, he granted it. You know, every time there's a healing, it's by God's permission. Every time there's a miracle, it's God that lets it happen. It's just the wonder of how God is working all through this, this whole thing where, where the, they're, they're hated and, and people are talking bad about them. And you got this group over here that's talking to everybody about how bad these Christians are and how bad the believers and how horrible they are. And all the time, they're out there, they're doing things that the, this, this other group, they can't deny something's going on, but it apparently just keeps driving them farther and farther. They're hardening their heart more and more against what God's doing. But God granted signs and wonders. And you notice how he doesn't say what type of signs or wonders. I'm always curious when I hear that. It's like, so what were they? Guys, you don't need to know the specifics of what they were. What you need to know that I confirm to my word. God himself, the Lord, is bearing witness to the word of his grace. And you know what? There's no greater miracle than when someone becomes a believer and they literally turn the life around. God turns their life and they step from deathness, deathness, oh brother, from death into life, from darkness into light. That's the greatest miracle that ever happens is the transformation of the human soul from lost to found. And I believe personal opinion, Bible doesn't say this, part of my personal opinion is that's part of the signs and wonders that's happening. He's confirming his word by those that are still believing, still following in spite of everything else. Now, I believe there were probably healings and other miracles going on too, but we saw God working, God confirming his word. And the city, the people in the city are totally divided in opinion. It says in verse 4, But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. Here's this whole city. Man, you see that group of Christians over there, what they're doing? That's just horrible. Others are saying, what do you mean that's horrible? They're doing good stuff. They're, they're helping. People are becoming believers, and, and they're siding with the apostles, and they're understanding God's working. And these others, they're, they're going and talking about people, uh, the, the believers in the city, and they're dividing. And literally the population, it says the city was divided. It's the whole population of the city is separated. There's one's on one side and one's on the other. Do you know what? Jesus warned us. He told us this was going to happen. In fact, the passage in Luke chapter 12, verse 51 and 52 says, do not think that I have come to give peace on the earth. No, I tell you, 
but rather division. For now on, from, for from now on, in one house there will be five divided, three against two, and two against three. See, the gospel, you're either going to respond for or away. And yes, Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and he's going to eventually bring peace to the earth. But right now in this world, households themselves living in the same house may divided two against three. You awful Christians. You awful unchristians. <laughs> it's like, okay, no, we're not supposed to do it that way, but it brings division within even families. But here we see where it was dividing a whole city. God is working, and there were those that absolutely did not want to see it. He's continuing to work. And then opposition moves on into persecution. You know, it's one thing to, to have opposition, it's another thing to have persecution. And as an American that has worked in Europe for over 20 years, I can say I've faced a lot of opposition to our work. We've faced a lot of opposition. We've literally had towns where the mayor would not allow people to rent to us to have Bible studies, and we've seen opposition, but we haven't faced persecution. But some of you have. You live in places where you see it and you live it out. You see where opposition moves into that next step where it is open persecution. And it's happening more and more, and that's why we keep praying for our brothers and sisters around the world. Because it's going... I don't want to be one of those doomsday preachers. From what I read in Scripture, it's the, the opposition will grow into persecution globally. It's going to get worse before the Lord returns. And whether that's soon or another 2,000 years in the future, I don't know. I know he's coming back. And I know that he's going to be with us through it all the way through. And so we see here as opposition moves into persecution, when an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra, Derby, the cities of Lyconium, and to the surrounding country. You see where it's, it's coming to the point, they're wanting to physically abuse the apostles, and it's both Jews and Gentiles. This group over here that's been stirring up everybody, they've got it now to the point it's like, we've got critical mass. We, we can go for them. Let's end this once and for all. Let's go beat them, and then let's kill them. And they've got the rulers of the city. The city mayor is saying, go for it, guys. The city, the, the, the local government, the rulers there. And I think this probably includes the Jewish rulers too. Those very ones that should know about the message of redemption and who Jesus was. 
And they are officially sanctioning the persecution and the killing of the believers, the very ones that should know who Jesus is. And in that situation, the the apostles, the missionary team, they went on to the next cities. And we're going to see in a few in the later in this chapter where where Paul is eventually stoned, and you're going to see the physical abuse. But they they had to to leave so that they could continue the ministry. But when they left, where are the local believers? They're still there in the city. Um, remember back up into verse one a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. (laughs) That great number's still there. There was a church left behind there. There's a local body of believers that's still there. The apostles had to move on. And often the missionary team needs to move on. And um, if you've missed it in any of our conversations... Pastor John and I plan to move on. We don't know when. Our job is to work ourselves out of a job. We're not going to be here forever. We're working and we're following God to help this group of believers get established. And we're going to move to the next place. Just as Paul did, just as Silas did, just as Barnabas did. We don't know what's next. But our job is to work ourselves out of a job. And we're moving on. And we don't know where. And I don't know if it's together or separate or different countries. That's in God's hands. But we want to make sure that we have done everything to establish this church firmly rooted in Jesus Christ. And then God will lead us to the next place and the next step in our ministries. And the church will remain because it's his church, not our church. It's his. And what did the missionaries do as they moved on? And there they continued to preach the gospel. (laughs) They flee from persecution, but they didn't shut up. They just kept on sharing the gospel. They just kept on preaching the message. And if you notice how many different cities are there that they they fled to in the whole surrounding country, I don't know if they're having to run around, if they're just finding all these preaching points, or if they're just trying to escape persecution. What we know is this whole countryside, they're going all over the place preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. They just continued to preach the gospel. This morning, we're going to have what we call the Lord's Supper, where we celebrate as a church and we remember Jesus' death for us, how he was sacrificed for us. He died for us but he died to bring us life. But you know, he died to bring life to others.
we too need to continue proclaiming the gospel message. And that's not just the missionaries. That's not the professional clergy. It is everybody. And I will tell you what, going through Acts, if you've missed that message, you have not been listening to Pastor John or to me, either one. Because all of us, all of us are called to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ. Whether you're a plumber working in the city, a banker working internationally, had to pick on you there, Samson, you know. Or if you're a student going to classes, you're called to live a missional lifestyle sharing the gospel with others. And how you share will be very different than how others share. Just as Pastor John and I, we have very different preaching styles. We have very different methods. But the goal's the same. It's the same purpose, the same goal. We have different personalities. You have a different personality than we have, and you'll be able to share in ways that we can't. You'll be able to share to people that Pastor John and I will never get to see. We will probably never get to meet, and you're going to see them every day. You may talk to them on the phone. You may call them. You may bump into them at the coffee shop. Live a missional lifestyle, taking the gospel out. And we're going to have just, uh, this is not our invitation time. This is, uh, I'm still calling it a call to action, and that's what I usually label our, our invitation but I want to ask a, a very serious, very serious question is where I want to start. Have you personally truly believed God's message? Where are you? Are you moving toward God or away from God? Have you been coming to church and stepping closer and every message and praise song is drawing you closer to God, or are you going more into apathy away? Some of the most apathetic people I've seen attend church all the time. You can do that. So deep in your heart, have you truly followed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If you have, if you can say yes to that, we're going to invite you to take part of the Lord's Supper. And you may use different terms. Some say, have you been saved? Have you accepted Christ? Have you made a commitment to follow Christ? A lot of different ways we phrase it to try to express that. But it is the most important question you're going to answer ever, ever in your life. Is have you truly followed Jesus? Who is Jesus to you? And then there's something else. This is a very serious topic that we've had this morning. And I know God is working. We've had a testimony of how God's working. God is speaking to hearts. What is God telling you this morning? What's he telling you? Just want to take a minute in your heart. Listen to God.
Lord, speak to each heart. You call us to work together, and then you call us also into separate roles and what we need to do. Show us this morning that collectively as a church, and then each individual. Now I want to ask the question, if God's speaking to your heart, what do you need to do? What action do you need to take? If you've never followed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, right now is the time. Just to bow your head and ask him to save you, to give your life to him, to commit your life to following him. There may be other things that God's calling you to do, saying, hey, this is a ministry that's been laying on your heart, and I need to take steps to do it. Right now, commit to that. And we're going to celebrate. And I say celebrate, it's, it's commemorate the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But it's a very celebration because it's a celebration of the life he brings by, by his death. And then we're going to go into an invitation time. And I'm going to ask you, please, share with us as a church, share with either Pastor John or me, what God's telling you to do, and we will pray with you, and we will help you. And what God's telling you to do, that may be the very ministry that we as a church need to do. You need to share that. Father, please, this morning, speak to hearts. Draw people closer to yourself. Lord, soften the hearts. People won't leave in apathy or hardened, but softened. And Father, we answer yes to that which you're leading us to do in Jesus' name. Amen.